Welcome to Lab Life. My name is Kenzie McKinnon. I'm a co-host and fourth-year neuroscience major at Dalhousie University. Today, we're reviewing Michelle McDonald. He's a biology student at Dalhousie University. Dalhousie University. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Kenzie. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, first, I'll ask you a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from? I'm from the Bahamas. Um, I actually graduated from Dow in 2019 with my degree in biology. And right now I'm working as a lab technician in the lab that I did my honors degree in. And I've been here maybe two years now, cumulatively, between my honors and then the summer terms and my work. And like, I'm really excited to talk, about, talk to you guys because I feel like over the course of my co-op and just like summer jobs that I've had here and there in different parts of the science field, there's some really interesting experiences that I'd like to share, as well as sort of the story of how I came to be more comfortable working in like a highly technical field like this, where in the beginning I felt like a lot of trepidation, like I don't know anything, how do I contribute? <laughs> like for my first co-op job, I saw that I had a lot to offer in learning how things actually got done. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, and so uh, that's a really good point. Do you, want, I, do you want to start off with kind of going through kind of chronologically, at least like in terms of like, you know, from high school kind of onwards your journey to, you know, where you are today in terms of your education? All right. Uh, I guess the most interesting part, part to start off with is uh, I went to boarding school in Canada for like grade 10 to 12. And that was basically because my mom's a lawyer and she said, listen, if you want to do law, you work in my office and I have you set for like the rest of, I teach you everything. But if you want to like go forward in science, I think that this would be the best option for you. And that turned out really well because like I was in interviews for call positions and I mentioned that and they're like, oh, why are you here in Canada? Well, I'll tell you what, like I just came from class, walked down the street and here I am for a job interview and that's what my mom is all about. So I went to boarding school and then I went to the University of Waterloo for a couple of years. And that was kind of, I don't know, I think I fell in with the wrong crowd. I used to play rugby on the rugby team and, you know, the bunch of engineers in leather jackets, like bees get degrees on me. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. I would literally wake up, go to practice and then like stay up all night playing oblivion. I'm like, this is life. And like, I would look at the syllabus, figure out how much I have to study, and just like wing it. And that worked until it didn't. So I ended up transferring over to Dow. And at Dow, you know, I got my stuff together and I started to perform. And I found that because I hadn't lived up to my expectations when I was in Waterloo, because like I've always been able to perform academically and to not have that be the case for so long, like actually did weigh on me a lot. So I actually went into co-op with a lot of trepidation. And that sort of went away slowly over the course of my first co-op. I worked with Environment Canada. And that is really interesting because it told me it showed me like two different sides of research, right? where at first I thought it was the academic versus the governmental. It was very much the basic versus the um, like analytical. 
And what I mean by that is like analytical science in terms of here are some samples, we need you to test them for X, Y, and Z because they're either going to be useful in this course case, we're going to use it to develop a product or something like that. So the facility that I worked in had a toxicology lab and that was cool. Basically toxicology is like when someone explained this to me, it was the biggest meme. Like when you're doing, and you, you have cases like oil spills or spills of exotic chemicals or stuff like that, it was with Environment Canada. You need to be able to prove that the actual product was dangerous, right? So the yeah. way you do that is you just, you, t you pour it in some water, you throw in some fish and see how it happens and see what happens to the fish. You know, very, that's, you know, very, very classic rigorous research. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. metal, dog. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's <laughs> um, and it was really interesting because like, that whole part of it, like one of the things I noticed from the beginning was before I could even set foot in the lab, there was like SOPs, task hazard analyses, all these different things. Like this was like the rigorous, rigorous research that I was used to, right? And I didn't even get to do the tests. Like that was his own certification. I just like took care of the fish that would be used for the yeah. tests. Yeah. The ones that so, used for, yeah. So that was sort of one side of it. And then at the same job, I was working on this like separate genomics project, which was to quantify norovirus viral load in wastewater. Because in that area, um, there's a lot of sewage treatment plants that like offload into the surrounding waters and like there's a buffer zone around there where you can't harvest shellfish because harvesting shellfish is like a huge thing in Atlantic Canada right mm -hmm. so right now what they do is they measure the wastewater for um, bacterial counts but there's mm -hmm. no legislation there might be since then I haven't caught up with it for viral load so what the Environment Canada wanted to do was to preempt that. They sent my immediate supervisor off to like Texas or somewhere. They get trained on the whole procedure. And then she came down and then she basically just supervised me. And I was there in the back, all sweaty, doing PCR, extracting the viruses from the sewage, taking that, reverse transcribing it, all of these things. Man, science is so good and so brutal at the same time, because what was amazing about it was I essentially felt like complete ownership, basically, of this like half a million dollar project I heard afterwards. And I was on it for like eight months after my pay, the pay of the students before and after me, all of the reagents, like it was a significant investment. At the same time though, <laughs> I was, I felt sole ownership over this half a million dollar project and it didn't work. It didn't work at all, dude. Like, all right, so you get the containers of wastewater from the freezer, bring it into the biocontainment hood, spit it down and do all this stuff. And it wouldn't like, I would be in the back doing the actual PCR. Like this was such a janky room. Like it was small and it was hot and I'm like sweating as I'm pipetting. Like, everything's on ice blocks, right? You know, I'm, I'm doing due diligence, but like sweat's dropping into the tubes. I feel like, I'm like, this doesn't feel like science, man. <laughs> There's gotta be something. This is gonna be, this is the, the sweat's gonna have to be a limitation included in the article or something. <laughs> you know, it's gotta be in the report. Like, 
what happened with this rap wall you see. But at least dude, like, three liters of sweat were in the samples. <laughs> three liters of sweat, dude. But when it went super well, my God, like there was no machine. I was doing this by hand. And when it went super well, when you had that triplicate, just bang, bang, bang on top of each other, dude, felt amazing. On the other hand, when it didn't work, I feel like I got my first like three gray hairs on that project. And my food supervisor is definitely like, yo, you need to chill out. Like, you're just a student. Calm down. <laughs> so it's, it was really funny. And so was that that was that was your first co-op, and that was that was my was first that done co-op. At, like, and that was done when you were at like Dalhousie. Yeah, just to, like, I only did co-op at Dalhousie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. And then so kind of like, what did you do any other co-ops during like your undergrad, or have you done more like kind of since? Or is that was kind yeah. of like the big one? As an aside, I don't know, like, just because it seems like such a a unique experience to have had as a co-op student at that time, I've killed, I am the slayer of trout. I've killed probably like a thousand, two thousand trout. And the reason being is like for the toxicology tests, they need them to be of a certain age. So you just keep, like, a quantity, right? Like, a thousands, yeah. 400, 500 in a tank. And once they get too old, you can't use them anymore. And yeah, I would yeah. just anesthetize all of these fish. And my supervisor oh, oh, would just, yeah. yeah. Like, he would see the light fall out of it. Oh, it was brutal. And my supervisor steals me, steals me for it. Like, um, yeah, nothing, get out, nothing gets out of this lab alive. And we're doing <laughs> this for the sake. Yeah, just, like, so metal with it. We're doing this for the <laughs> sake of all the other fish in the environment. And I thought, yeah, fair, cool. <laughs> well, you you think it's I fine? I think it's fine. I mean, in terms of, like, you know, getting the, you know, real-world applicable results, you know, if, 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 what you're, put, if you're, what you're putting them in is killing them, then you're, you're going to know what you're going to be dealing with, you know? It's, like, pretty, mm-hmm. like, the return on, like, you know, can fish survive in this ecosystem? And if they're not surviving in the lab, they're definitely not going to be surviving in the ecosystem. So, yeah. Really yeah, that's even clear. more of a powerful point, right? Like, with all the yeah, controls, yeah. if you... Yeah. So that is sort of a fire to get things done based on that research. But, you know, like, that's still science, you know? It, it's not just, like, all kind of these, like, when you're doing, like, PCRs and stuff like that, that's obviously, like, a lot more, like, kind of niche lab techniques that have been, like, developed over time. But, like, you know, like mm-hmm. that, like, you know, testing fish, whether they can survive, that's, like, like core... Like, does it work or not? Kind of a thing, and that—that's yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And so, kind of fast forwarding to kind of where you are today, you mentioned that you're a lab technician today. Mm-hmm. And so, do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of kind of some of the work that you're doing in the lab day to day now? Okay. So, our lab studies protein regulation, um, particularly in response to stress. We focus on ubiquitination um, and the enzymes that control that. Ubiquitin just being like this very common marker in eukaryotic cells that's attached to certain proteins that basically designates it for different fates. Like there's a combination of ubiquitin additions that means take this to the Golgi, a combination that says uh, take this to the cell membrane, a combination that says degraded. So we're really interested in the ubiquitin proteasome pathway, proteasome pathway, 
which mm-hmm. is basically um, how the cell directs different elements to the giant shredder. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because depending on what you start to degrade, these things and different things in the cell, you're affecting like uh, cellular function. Mm-hmm. Specifically, my project was based on uptake with, uh, and that whole response and how it's regulated by E3s. Um, so, hmm. I guess I can and give this you was, this was your this was your honors, correct? This was my honors, and it's evolved into the project that I'm working on now. We study a family oh, approach. Really cool. Yeah. 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 Have able to kind of take that forward. That's really cool. But yeah, continue. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, we found we study a family of ubiquitin ligases called XBAT 31 to 5, and they do various things. Um, the one that I'm focused on is, uh, we believe, to play a, a significant role in the iron uptake pathway. And basically what that is, is that iron is essential for plants. It's critical to photosynthesis, it's critical to iron, uh, through oxygen transport, all these things, electron transport chain, you know, shout out bio 2020, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so the plant, needs to be able to regulate its level of iron with like some precision, right? If it doesn't have enough iron, you get chlorosis. If it has too much iron, which is also an issue, um, you get like um, Fenton reactions and the generation of uh, what's it called, free radicals, and it's just not a good time. So what you have is a suite of proteins that are expressed and transported to the root cell membrane like to the rhizosphere of the plant mm-hmm. that do a lot of things to make iron more available more soluble the correct charge and to uptake it so just studying how the expression and of those proteins changes how the phenotype of the plant changes and a bunch of different like stress indicators lets you connect the expat 31 like E3 to iron uptake. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, and we do that through knock, mutant knockouts, comparing that to wild type under different forms of stress. So if you knock, if you yeah. believe that, yeah, if you believe that this protein plays a significant role in this pathway, if you knock it out and the protein and the pathway is changed, that's a pretty good indicator. Not to patronize all the science students out there. <laughs> That's how an experiment no. works. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good to um, kind of describe those things. And honestly, you, you made a good point just kind of like briefly when you were going through. He says, shout out to Bio 2020. It is like yeah. insane to me how classes such as like Cell Bio that you do in like your, say, your second year, where like a lot of STEM students tend to do, whether you're like in med sci or just general bio, a lot of those things how useful some of those like second year foundational classes are like those are like also like even genetics where you do pcr like knowing that theory like how that stuff theoretically works is so widely applicable in a lab setting like it really helps to like kind of double down and like understanding those lab techniques i'm telling you they will show up again and again and again and again and yeah no it definitely like it's really good to like really put the time into understanding those things and like you you even like i'm trying to think back to Sally, you, you, like honestly, 
in terms of like what you do, like you big with a nation, I think that's basically you you go over that for like the first time, like a real depth incel. But yeah, that's no, it's interesting to see how how much those second year things that you kind of think are like, oh, I'm still at the beginning of my degree, you know, this is just you know this the foundational stuff and yada yada. But then it ends up being like so widely called on in a professional setting, like right off the bat, that you, you don't really don't really expect it to be. I'm gonna do two things now. First off, I'm gonna completely agree with what you said. Like literally, that first job that I got, the interview was just a test, just a verbal test. Like, do you know what PCR is? Do you know what pollution is? The first question was, who's the minister of environment? I didn't know it. I thought I like failed the job. It was really funny. But also, um, those classes, especially the labs, I think give a pretty rosy picture of how it actually works out. Because behind the scenes, there is so much work that goes into making sure that literally every student that comes in there to do the experiment has a pretty decent chance of getting a positive result. Whereas in the lab, when you're taking that from first principles, like, huh, I want to investigate this gene. It'd be great to amplify it. It's so much failure. If I have anything to say about research, it's just like continuous failure. Like <laughs> you have to be oh, someone yeah, I, who's okay with that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like and I did like, um, and this is not to like be kind of like you know speak down to people who are like might be in those classes at the time, but I just remember like doing like the mRNA project project in genetics and being like, yes, we saw the the microRNA work. I'm so, so glad, like, I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy, we, you know, we solved everything, it's like, this could be so, like, you know, widely applicable in the scientific field, like, I'm a genius, and it's like, when you, like, kind of, you know, when, when, when the, when the lovely, lovely lab profs kind of, like, put their hands away and kind of go into the professional setting, it's like, like, yeah, you have to be, like, prepared for, like, you know, your, like, what you think you can do with the results, like, it, it, you, you have to get them first, and it's, um, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's it's definitely, definitely something good. that you got to be aware of. Yeah, you have for. to go into it with like the correct expectations because I feel like there's sort of a wall that can be hit by students when they go into their first like independent research project, be that honors or like uh, special topics or whatever, and they're not getting the results that they've they're not performing in the way that they've learned to expect from themselves because sort of when you're in school the it's yours to lose whatever it is like if you put in the effort you will get results in a lab things just go wrong sometimes right mm -hmm. and it could be that you're putting in a ton of effort but maybe you just missed a little thing and maybe what you need to do is like take a step back you know come back with like renewed energy like take care of yourself and then it's like oh i didn't like, we were making cell cultures the other day. Like, I was helping a student with her project. And, like, the bacteria was just not replicating. Like, you put them on the shaker, right? And you mm -hmm. take the optical density periodically because you need them to be at a certain level to move forward. And they just weren't replicating. And we couldn't figure out why. Like, we'd been there, like, six hours when it should have been two. When it was just, we didn't put them in a large enough vessel so you weren't getting the proper aeration. So that was limiting the bacterial world. And it's just stuff like that, you know? Where, like, of course I should have known that, but at the same time, this is one thing, like, in my project, amongst all these other things. So, like, you have to be sort of kind to yourself as well. 
And this is, like, also, like, without saying, like, obviously, it's not always doom and gloom in the lab, obviously. It's, I mean, in terms of, like, what you can produce, and it, it's not, like, necessarily, like, a continuous cycle of failure, but it is, like, it, there's some things that you need to be able to brace for and just be, like, it's it's not always going to line up. But um, oh. there's it's about those breakthroughs, you know, and those things can be, like, you know, when they work out, it's huge. And so, like, it's good to get a taste of that, that it can, you know, work out and be huge and all that stuff when you... uh like I go through at the beginning, but address that our producer is telling us like, yo, stop being such a bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's true. No, it's true. It's totally true. Uh, yeah, I was like, I realized I was like, yeah, no, you're just gonna go in the lab. You're just gonna constantly just you're gonna constantly miss like something at the molecular <laughs> level, and you're never gonna get by. Keep you guys on track, but you need to give more positivity here. Yeah, no, okay. I, I there's tons of positivity. I'm just. Okay, let me let me put this in frame, right? I was training a, a no no despair. I was training a student like my, for my first time, like after I was a lab tech and I graduated in my project, we continued with it, and I had an honor student that jumped onto it with me, and I'm explaining things to her, and we're going through all of these procedures, you know, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job, and she's like, and I'm asking her like, what did you? expect how are things living up to how you felt being in a lab would be and she said I, I, it's good I, I didn't think it'd be this much fun and I'm like yeah I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be because <laughs> I, in the lab it's like it's chill fun times man like what my point is more you have to separate the failure from like your image of yourself you know what I mean like it's just mm-hmm. the it's just the work it's just the protocol um Things will work out. Things, things will work out, or they won't, and you just have to be able to do that. And once you're able, like, I had a really hard time with that in the beginning because I expected things to always work out, and I was really hard on myself when they didn't, and they didn't. And my supervisor was like, "Yo, you little like been in the lab working for a couple months. Oh, sorry." working in the lab for a couple months, like, do you know how many things have to go right for a Western block to work? You have to get a proper protein extraction. Your proteins have to be soluble. They have to move through the gel properly. They have to get transferred to the membrane properly. You have to have proper bending of the antibody, all of these things, right? And that made me feel like a lot better. Like, oh, it's just the work. And I was speaking with another friend and she said, yeah, sometimes there are those people that you know, they're like, what am I doing with my life? How do I contribute to the, all this stuff? And scientists usually aren't those people because they have this thing that engages them, challenges them, and they're able to just work with it all the time and see results and feel ownership of it. And that feels amazing, right? Yeah, and I think it. you also kind of slowly change like kind of how you see like whether or not you see them as setbacks and more so like as points of pivot and it's just like yeah. it's kind of going through going through these processes is almost like kind of it's going to be necessary at times so you know you got to just look at these things as well it's obviously not here and so and that's and that's a, a thing worth knowing and these things yeah. like knowing that these things aren't what it is or mm-hmm. it, it kind of can show you like where to go forward and like that's that's still progress at the end of the day and so it's all about you know, the scientific field is very, very incremental in terms of like mm-hmm. what we know and like what we do. And so all of these things still contribute to like a like continuous slow pro- 
progress, but that's it's still progress, and I think it's really important to kind of like once you like kind of get into the thick of things, like trying to like recognize that because it's it definitely makes like the work more fulfilling because you know you're still putting something into this. It's like not mm-hmm. all or it's not either like the work you do is not good or bad necessarily. It's just you know it's contributing to the field, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what. Is something that I, the way I the way I look at it is something that people can kind of gain solace in about like whether or not once things don't work out, you know. It's also up to you to choose like what particular branch of science you want to work in, or particular That's branch true. of biology, for instance. Like, if you're doing molecular biology, one of the things you have to accept is that you're dealing with samples in a very abstract sense, right? You're, you're let's <laughs> say you're extracting DNA. You have no, like, you can't see it. You know if it works out when you do the spec or you do this or you check for the um, clarity, right? So a lot of it is just having faith in yourself and sort of doing things almost in your imagination, right, with various steps to check in on it. You could go into, like, the analytical stuff I was saying and, right, like, there's a bit less ambiguity there. If you're doing, if you're in a toxicology lab, like, the fish died or they didn't, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. And I think that's what I was trying to like hit on a little bit earlier when we were kind of talking about like you can't have like this more kind of yes or no kind of thing, which is like it's just yeah. it's it's rewarding in the in the moment because then you like know right at that moment in terms of like like the conclusions you can like draw from it, I guess, or yeah. can like speculate about. Yeah, and then you can do things that also intersect with other things that you're interested in, like uh, on my other co-op. I was working with blueberries, right, in um, Nova Scotia, like in all the countrysides and whatever. And that was really nice because half of it was driving to fields, like collecting samples. We also, we were testing the effectiveness of different pesticides. So that was kind of a meme that's like in 30 degree weather and like these yellow Tyvek suits, just like all sealed up, like nowhere to go, steaming like a vegetable medley to spraying pesticides. It was great. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you just have great experiences there too. Like I loved working. I loved working that job. Um, it was it was the closest I've ever came to death. Like on the workforce, you know what I mean? Because okay, here's it. Like we're in the field, right? And I'm collecting ecological data, weather data, and there's something that catches my eye on the horizon, and I look up, and it's like angry. It's like moving. Like what is going on? And I slowly look up into the sky, and the sky is clouded with bees. My like there was a swarm. What happens is, like to fertilize the blueberry plants, they have hives that they put out when they flower. Mm-hmm. But this was later in the season, and all the flowers had died, and the bees were hungry, and they were on the hunt <laughs> for like some fresh prey. And this is really a story of how I have no survival instincts because I see this and I'm like, I think that's a problem. I walk back to my fellow co-op students, and I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a thing. And my my co-worker was having a day, because she was like, Mishan, you're a grown-ass man. You're a grown man. You can figure this out. Uh, but like, I'm pointing to the horizon, and she's saying that. And I look up, she's like, oh my god, because they're coming towards us, right? So here's the thing. In my head, I'm like, these are like trees. They go in one direction. So if you want to avoid the falling tree, you move to the side. And I start just randomly walking into the middle of this field. <laughs> and my coworkers are like, Mishan, what are you doing? Get in the car. Because there was a car right there. 
over the next, like, I don't know if it was 40 seconds or four minutes, we're piled into this truck, and we're just saying, bap, 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 as a swarm of bees comes by. It was so funny. It was like, close all the windows. Close the vents. They're going to climb in through the ventilation system. Oh, my God. And so the big takeaway from that is that, you know, science is, it's not, it's not all boring, you know, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah, you definitely can have some fun with it. Absolutely. It, can, it, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be all about, you know, intrinsic motivation and accomplishing the science. There's like genuine fun that you can have with this stuff. Like, oh, there's so just, many like in the day to day. Just in the day to day, dude. Oh, it's important to like, yeah, it's, it's not just all like, you know. Yeah, it's definitely something that people should be aware of that you can like find like a lot of fun day to day. Like, and what you do. Like, for example, like, what is something that, like, and this is the kind of the last question I'm just going to ask you here. Like, mm-hmm. what is something that, like, in your average day that you just find, like, fun or just, like, enjoyable in the lab? Something fun or... Honestly, like, working in the lab, in a sense, is, like, working with any other... Working in any other business. Basically, your supervisor is, like, this cowboy entrepreneur in a co-op. Because, like, if you're a faculty member at a university, you eat what you kill, basically. You sign up for grants, you do your research, you also teach, but everything is based on, like, your output. So they all end up being really different. And I really enjoyed working in my lab because, like, the people are just really nice. Like, it, like again, it goes back to um, separating yourself from the results and not letting that reflect on you. Like I'm literally I'm working with a student right now and her calling a PCR didn't work. And it's fine. Like as long as you're in there and you're putting in the hours, that's fine. Like my supervisor likes to say, you're wasting time or you're wasting money. So you just have to go in and get things done. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. There was a point in the lab where I felt like it was getting dangerously chill right? Because I had that student that I trained before, so she's in a great mood. She brings in her friends. I come in on a Friday night. People were just in the lab doing work, experiments are on the go. They're chatting. I'm like, you know, I really like this. I like the camaraderie. and like people are like talking about their troubleshooting together. At the same time, I'm like, yeah, as long as everyone gets their work done, this is great. And there's always the opportunity to have that sort of relationship because Again, harkening back to all that stuff I said, you're like battle-hardened together, and you're always going to find someone who's willing to commiserate with you and be really good and share with your successes, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. That's a great answer, Michelle. Um, I think that's uh, a point to wrap it up there. But I really appreciate you coming out of the podcast. Um, it was great to have you on. I, your answers were very like very casual and like well put together but like also i think this is like really important to be having people like having conversations about stuff like stem and like or like working in research and stuff like that the conversations can be like really dry at times so i really appreciated Mm. uh how lively you made it and i hope everyone listening also thought the same yeah no worries man anytime good luck with the podcast thank you have a good Have a good day. You too.